Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. We're continuing a series today uh, called Toxic. If you missed last week, uh, we began then, and uh, we're just looking at the toxicity in our world and how that impacts us and what that does in us. And so last week we talked a little bit about um, toxic thoughts. And again, I want to encourage you, if you missed it, go back and watch it on our archive page at summitpa.church, or uh, you can listen to that. You can download the podcast uh, from iTunes. But, um, but I would encourage you, I think every person, no matter how mature or successful you might be in your life, you deal with toxic thoughts to some degree or another. And today, uh, we're going to continue that series uh, in, in toxic. Um, I read a story this last week. It was talking about how, um, how governments deal with toxic waste. Uh, so when they have a power plant and they're spent fuel rods, uh, they have to do something with this waste after it's done, and there aren't very many good solutions. And so the U.S. government, um, the United Kingdom, China, um, um, Japan, Germany, there's several countries that they're endeavoring to, um, to take care of their toxic waste. And what's happened is um, they have a hard time with it because... Nobody wants toxic waste in their backyard. If the federal government came in and said, hey, we're going to put a toxic waste dump in Homer City, there would be a whole bunch of angry people in Homer City, wouldn't there? They'd say, we don't want that in our backyards. We don't want that, that poison possibly getting into our water, uh, possibly poisoning our kids, our families. Uh, we don't want that, and, um, and we reject it. And so they've seen that. Governments have seen that all across the board. And so, uh, like I said, Japan, Germany, the UK, the US have all struggled with what do we do with this toxic waste? And we see Finland. I read the story this week that Finland actually, um, they came up with a solution. And what they've done is they, there's an island just off the coast of Finland, and they are digging basically a mine shaft and it's going to be 100 stories deep when they're finished with it in 2020. It'll be 100 stories deep, and it'll actually contain 6,500 tons of nuclear waste. Um, 100 stories deep. And, and this containment unit is supposed to be good for 100,000 years. I don't know who's going to service that warranty in 100,000 years, uh, but it's supposed to be good for 100,000 years because of the toxicity of the, of the, the waste. And so... Uh, the Finnish government has decided to do this, and they're in the progress, the process of doing it. They started in 2004 uh, with this project, and they should be finished in 2020. Uh, but it'll be the largest unit of its kind in the world. Uh, and it's amazing to see, but all over the U.S., people have said, we don't want it. And it's interesting to me because so many people, uh, probably in this room even, would say, we don't want that near us because of what it might do to us. But yet, we will embrace toxicity in other areas of our lives every day. And one of the ways we do that is through toxic relationships. And that's what I want to talk to you just for a little bit about today. Uh, when I thought about toxic relationships, there was uh, uh, one person in particular in Scripture that really came to mind, uh, and that was a guy named Samson. Uh, Samson is, um, 
He's kind of a hero in the faith in some ways, and in some ways he is one of the greatest disappointments in Scripture as well. We won't go through his whole story, um, but I want to give you a little bit of background. His story picks up in uh, the book of Judges, and in the book of Judges it's an interesting period of time in Israel's history. Uh, It was after their heyday, after the kings had lost power, and at this point it was kind of a dark period for the nation of Israel, or for the Jewish people. And what would happen is they were caught in this cycle where um, when things were good, they would worship God and things would be good for a while and then they'd realize, well, maybe we don't need to worship God as much because things are good. And so they'd stop worshiping God and their hearts would begin to drift toward idolatry and toward false gods and then things would start being bad. And inevitably they would end up in some sort of captivity to a foreign government and to foreign people and then they'd be in slavery and they'd cry out to God and go, God, we forgot you are the most important thing in our lives. We repent, we're sorry, take us back. And God would be merciful and he'd raise up a judge is what they were called. But it was really like the first action stars is kind of what they were. But they were an implement or a tool to free God's people from captivity. And so God would raise up a judge, he'd restore them, things would be great and they'd be like, yay, God, we love you, we worship you again. And then the cycle would start over. They'd forget how good things were with God and they would drift and then they would be in captivity and God would raise up a judge and we'd see this over and over. And the truth is that happens in our hearts a lot of times too. When things are bad, when things are desperate, we will call out to God and then when things are good, then we kind of forget about them. Our hearts drift a little bit. Maybe we stop attending church as much. We stop reading our Bible as much. And so that wasn't just an Old Testament issue. It's an issue even today. And so this is what was going on in this context. Uh, The Philistines were the sworn enemies of the Jewish people. Um, They hated each other, uh, and they were at odds with each other. Uh, And so this is the context by which we see uh, Samson come into the world. Samson was born into a godly family, and that family said, hey, we're going to make a Nazarite vow, and we won't get into all of that, uh, but some of you know about Samson, that he had long hair. Uh, that was part of the Nazarite vow, and so uh, they said, we're going to make the Nazarite vow. We're committing our child to the purposes and plans that God has for him, no matter what. God, this is your child. So they made this vow to the Lord, and they knew our baby has got a purpose and destiny for his life, that God's got something incredible for him. And the story will pick it up in Judges 14 when he gets of age where he is to marry. And this is where we'll pick it up in Judges 14, verse 1. It says, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of our people that you must take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Now, I want to use this as the platform to talk about toxic relationships today. Uh, Because Samson had a purpose and plan for his life, but that was all derailed because of some toxic relationships that he entered into. Let me, let me start. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, we'll have a few points today. But the first thing I want you to notice is that toxic relationships often begin close to the border. And what we see here is that Samson was living in the Jewish-controlled area, but he went down to Timnah. And Timnah was a border town. It was right on the border uh, between the Philistine 
lands and Jewish lands. And so he went down to the border, and that's where he found his wife. And this is what I will tell you. Many toxic relationships begin close to the border. Close to that border between what's right and what's wrong, what's godly and what's ungodly. Uh, And see, for many people, we want to live our lives as close to that border as we can. We want to know, what can I get away with and still go to heaven? Um, Because I want to have my fun, I want to do my thing, but I don't want to miss heaven. So where is the line? And Samson embodied that. He literally went down to the border to find his spouse. And so he gets there, and unsurprisingly, there's a Philistine woman because it's close to the border. And so many times in our lives, it's the same thing. Uh, Maybe it's it's in your office. Um, you strike up a relationship with someone because you have this mutual hatred of your boss. Because I know none of you have bad bosses, right? Uh, it's other people in other states do. But man, some people have a boss that's like you, you want to shave their head because you're sure the, the mark of the beast is somewhere up in their hairline, right? They've got to be the Antichrist. I'm sure they are. And so, um, so you've got this feeling about your boss and you're, you're struggling with it. And then one of your coworkers verbalizes it. And all of a sudden you build this coalition. You're in unison that, yeah, we both hate our boss a little bit, right? And when you hadn't spoken that out loud, when it was just kind of internal, it maybe wasn't as bad. But what happens is you strike up a relationship close to the border. Well, is it wrong to have these feelings? Well, Maybe it's not sinful, but I probably shouldn't. And then all of a sudden, you've developed this relationship with someone over a mutual disdain for your boss. And you say, well, is that sinful? Maybe not, but is it wise? No, it's not. Is it godly? No, it's not. It's definitely close to the border. Does that make sense to anybody? Um, maybe, Maybe you are someone, maybe you're married. Maybe you're not married, but you find an old boyfriend or girlfriend on social media. A little close to the border, right? I don't know if I should friend them. And Well, I mean, what's, what's wrong with it? Not like anything's going to happen. We're just going to be friends. Before you know it, that relationship that's made close to the border becomes toxic. It becomes something more than what you intended for it to be. Did you know, I'd read this recently, uh, Facebook is actually mentioned in more than 25% of divorce cases in the U.S. this last year? That's what I'm talking about. What could it hurt? It's it's not sinful, but it's close to the border. And and the more we're drawn there, the, the more concerned you should be that you're drawn to something that's toxic. See, um, that, that old relationship, there's nothing wrong with being friends from the old days because um, you probably have friends that you grew up with, that you've known forever, and they're great. But, but one of the problems is um, sometimes those old friendships lock us in time. We're, we're locked in place. Uh, it keeps us from moving forward because Years have passed and God is doing something in our lives and God's got a purpose and plan for us and we're heading in a direction, but our friends only know us as we used to be. And so what's happening is sometimes they'll lock us in that place because that's all they know. This happened to Jesus. Did you know that? In in Matthew uh, chapter 13, it says Jesus was ministering in his hometown. 
So he was in his hometown, uh, and he speaks, and it says that they were amazed by what they heard. So they hear his teaching, and they're amazed, but it also says that he didn't do very many miracles because of their unbelief. And the reason is, is because these people had a hard time believing that the Jesus they knew back in the day could be the same Jesus that could heal people and bring freedom for the captives. Because what they did is they said, come on, come on, Jesus. Who are you trying to, who are you trying to fool? I know who you really are. I changed your diapers, right? Jesus had diapers, by the way, okay? He did, huggies. Um, no, Jesus was a guy to them. He was just a guy. He built some decks on people's houses, right? He, he was a carpenter. And so what people did is they said, no, 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 no. You can't be that because this is what I know. And their lack of faith and belief kept Jesus from being able to do miracles. And I'm telling you today, you've got a purpose and plan for your life. And sometimes these old past relationships will keep you locked in there to keep you from being who God's called you to be. And that can be toxic. Um, if you're older, and when I say older, I mean like I'm older in my book. And so if you're older, you might recognize this. Have you ever been driving down the road and a song comes on the radio and it was maybe from when you were in high school and it transports you back to a place or a moment or a feeling? Have you ever been there? I have. A song will come on from when I was in high school and it will take me back to a moment on a road trip with some guys or take me back to, um, you know, Gosh, we had a pretty good basketball team, and so we went to the state playoffs, and you know, being in a hotel room with someone by a basketball team at the state playoffs, I mean, in a moment, it'll take me back to these, these, these situations, these circumstances, these feelings that I had. And this is what old relationships will do, especially old relationships with somebody maybe you dated or maybe you had a thing for, and you see them on Facebook, and what could it hurt? Before you know it, it's toxic. Um, about 10 years ago, I had, um, I had social media. I was still pretty new to it. And I had a friend that I went to high school with contacted me on social media, on Facebook, as a matter of fact. And I was excited because this, this was a girl, but she was a great friend of mine in high school. And so uh, we began interacting, and my wife knew about it. I made sure she knew about it, but we began interacting. And there was nothing toxic in that relationship but what I didn't recognize is that relationship had potential for toxicity. Does that make sense to anybody? At the time, I really didn't have enough foresight to see this relationship, if it's not guarded really, really, really well, could end up someplace I don't want to be. And so it wasn't toxic in that moment, but what it was was toxic in my marriage because my wife is not an insecure woman. But she recognized, hey, there's something not quite right here. And again, nothing illicit was going on. I, nothing overt, subtle. It was just a friendship. But what I recognized is if I want to have a healthy marriage, sometimes there's relationships I need to end so that my marriage can be as healthy as it possibly can be. Does that make sense to anybody? I know this is not like the most popular message you're going to hear. Um, but if you'll give me some feedback, I'll feel a lot better about it. So, um, so I recognized in that moment, I'm going to end this relationship so that the relationship I really want to pour into can have maximum value. So I ended a relationship to make sure my marriage stayed healthy. 
And so what we have to under, understand is that old relationships can be toxic if we're not careful. Um, this is what you have to understand too. Unhealthy people are drawn to unhealthy people. Okay? Unhealthy people are drawn to unhealthy people. So what I want you to do is just imagine your friend group in your mind. The people you surround yourself with. Now ask yourself, are they healthy or are they unhealthy? Are they drama or are they drama free? Are they dysfunctional or are they functional? And if your friend group is unhealthy, you've got to ask yourself, why are they attracted to me? And maybe more importantly, why am I attracted to them? Because if there is toxicity going on, you might be the cause of it. At the very least, you might be involved in it. The good news is the opposite is true too. Health attracts health. So if you, if you love Christ and your heart is devoted to him and your purpose is to make him uh, the center of everything in your life, you know what's going to happen? You're going to attract people into your world that are like that. People are going to want to be around you because they're heading in the same direction you are heading. Um, that brings us to our next thought. Number two, toxic relationships will take us where we don't plan to go. Toxic relationships will take us someplace we never planned to go. Um, I go, whenever we do road trips, I, I'm, we plan them out, right? Where do we want to go? Well, this is where we want to end up. Well, how are we going to get there? Well, we'll have to leave at this time on this day. Uh, we can stop here for gas. We can spend the night there. And then we should end up here in this time. Now, I think God has a purpose and plan for each of us. That he's got a road map that he knows this is where I want them to be someday. And what happens is toxic relationships will come along and toxic relationships go, nah, why don't we stay here a few more days extra? Nah, why don't we detour and go this direction instead? No, why don't, we, why don't we try that? Why don't we go over here? And what happens is God goes, but I, I want you to end up here. I, I want you, this is your destination. And what toxic relationships will do will take us someplace we never planned to go. Um, I won't tell you the whole story. If you look at Samson's life, this was a man who had an incredible calling on, him, on his life, an incredible purpose for his life. But yet what we see is um, he ended his life in disgrace. He ended his life... Um, as a slave, with his eyes plucked out. He spent years of his life not doing what he was called to do, but yet he was a laughing stock for his enemy. Now, again, the last day of his life, God used him for God's glory, but if you asked Samson at the end of his life, hey, is this what you wanted? He would have said, absolutely not. I wish I could go back and change it all. I wish I would have never had that relationship. I wish I would have never entered into a relationship with her. I wish I would have never gone to the prostitute. I wish I would have never, because this is where it's brought me today. Now, did God get glory from his life ultimately? Yeah, God did. But it was in spite of Samson, not because of Samson. His life ended up where he didn't want to go. And God will use you in spite of your circumstances, but it does not mean you're going to enjoy it along the way if you are in toxic relationships. Um, I told you, you'd be excited about this message. <laughs> Verse 2 of Judges 14 says, Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. I saw something I want, now go get her for me. Right? He didn't have any idea that that decision and many others and things that were going on in his heart would ultimately take him someplace he never wanted to be. Amos 3.3 3 says this, in the message version it says, do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? 
And this is what happens. Um, when we are believers, when our heart is fully devoted to Christ and we've got a purpose for us, we, we say, okay, God, I want to go where you're leading me. And then somehow someone maybe is a little bit toxic, maybe is not a believer, they come alongside us and they go, hey, why don't we walk together? Sure, friend. We're hand in hand. How many of you know their destination and my destination aren't the same? So if we're going to walk hand in hand, someone's destination is going to change. And you might say, maybe you're the optimist, and you go, but Mel, we'll just get them saved. We're going to win them for Christ. Well, that's great. This is just anecdotal. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody in our church, uh, man, they come in, they're on fire for God. Maybe they've even been baptized. They're excited. They're all in, and then they disappear. And I'll run into them in the grocery store, and I'll say, hey, I've been missing you. Where you been? I go, oh, you know, I've been working and busy. And then I'll see on Facebook that they're in a new relationship and that it looks like the person they're in a relationship is is not going to church anywhere, not serving God. So what's happened is they've gotten hand in hand and they've changed their destination, but their destination is not the same as what they hoped it would be before. Is anybody following what I'm saying today? Okay, just making sure. Third thing, toxic relationships ignore godly counsel. This just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? <laughs> toxic relationships ignore godly counsel. Judges 14.3 says this, but his father and mother said to him, I love this, they were pleading with him. They said, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of our people that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? They're saying, Samson, don't you remember the purpose for your life? Don't you remember that you were called to something more to this? And now you are going to walk hand in hand with a Philistine? You, one of your purposes was to begin to overthrow the Philistines, and yet here you are marrying a Philistine. You know better than that. We raised you better than that. Come on, Samson, snap out of it. Now, they're good parents in the fact that they spoke up to their son, but they ultimately caved. So you know better than that. All right, we'll go get her for you. There's a parenting message in there somewhere too. But thank God they at least spoke truth to their son. See, toxic relationships, and if, if you're in a toxic relationship, you are resistant to godly counsel. A lot of times we don't even ask for godly counsel because we know what we're going to hear. We're going to hear somebody say, well, why are you even spending time with them? Well, why are you even entertaining the idea of hanging out with them? Aren't they married? How does your spouse feel about that? So we don't even ask the question a lot of times. We, we live in our blissful ignorance. We just act like everything's good. But what we have to understand is if we will talk to godly people in our lives that we trust, they're going to give us feedback. And it might not be feedback we like, but it's going to be the feedback we need to hear. I said, this, I said this in the last service, but if you're here and you're single and you're in a toxic relationship, I'll help you break up with that person. I will do it. I've done it for some of our college girls before. I will do it for you too, I promise. I'll, I'll, I'll text it for you. I'll figure out what to say. I will take care of that business for you. 
<laughs> you think I'm kidding. I am not. <laughs> now, I'm talking about dating relationships. If you're married, that's a different story, okay? But if you're in a dating relationship and you recognize the fact that you're toxic and you're in a toxic relationship, I'm telling you now, the best time to end that was yesterday. But if you can't do it yesterday, right now is the best time to end that. Ask the godly people around you. Ask your small group leader. Ask your ministry leader over your area. Uh, ask me. Ask one of our pastoral team. We will be honest with you. We'll be straight with you. Now, you might not want to hear it, but you're going to be able to tell pretty quickly if your relationship is toxic or not. Because if you don't even want to ask the question, it's probably a pretty good indication you're in a toxic relationship. Number four, toxic relationships are easily justified. What did Samson say? He says, but Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. I love this because he didn't say, because God has called me to her. Because she is God's best for my life. I've prayed about it and sought God and I know, right? He didn't say that. He said, she's right in my eyes. She looks good. Why wouldn't she be God's will for my life? I want her. <laughs> Sometimes we sacrifice Mr. or Mrs. Right for Mrs. Or Mr. or Mrs. Right now. We go, well, I mean, I've been waiting a while. And I know they got some problems. I mean, they've been married seven times and got psychological issues and pyromaniac. And <laughs> but if you just knew them like I knew them, Pastor Mel, you wouldn't feel that way, right? But they really love me. Sure, they're verbally abusive, but they really loved me. You just don't know what they're like when we're by ourselves. You're justifying. That's what that is. We say things like, um, I can't end the relationship because they need me. You ever heard that before? Maybe you're here and you've said that before. Um, I love this church dearly. Um, Dearly. I, I, I don't want to expand on that anymore. Um, I love this church. I love the fact that I get to be here. Um, and this is what I know about this church. As much as I love this church, this isn't my church. This is God's church. And as much as I love this church, God loves it even more. And if something happened and I died or God moved me out of this place of ministry to someplace else, what I know is this church wouldn't close its doors. <laughs> So you might go, well, man, we need Mel. Do you know what? You don't need me. You need God. Because God will bring somebody else in here, and he'll use them as effectively or prayerfully more effectively than he's used me. You don't need me. You need God. Now, now translate that to your relationship. They need me. No. No, in fact, you may be... Uh, a roadblock or an obstruction from them really getting to God because you are facilitating a toxic relationship. So what you're doing is you're allowing unhealthiness or toxicity to be in you and you're preventing them from being in a full, healthy relationship with God. So you might think they need you, but you know what they need? They need God. You know what they need you to do? Get out of the way and get healthy. They need you to remove yourself and begin pursuing health in your life. Um, <laughs> the other one I love is, uh, I need them. 
That's scary to me when I hear somebody say that. Now, we need relationships, we need friendships, uh, but at the end of the day, no one in my life completes me or fulfills me. I love my wife, but if I put pressure on her to complete me, who could do that? No one, except Christ. That's the only relationship that can complete me or fulfill me. Did you hear the baptism videos? Did you hear the stories? People say, man, I was empty. I didn't really know what I was looking for. And then I discovered, right? And did you, again, they didn't say I discovered Summit Church. They just discovered God, and they happened to meet him at Summit Church. That's what it's about. Last thing I want to mention to you as far as this goes, um, every uh, toxic relationship you're in, that you have, you're in because there's a payoff for you. You get something out of it. Um, Maybe it's an emotional payoff. Well, they need me, so I'm going to help them, right? Um, Maybe, uh, if I can just be blunt, if if you're in in some sort of affair, and I love the fact that we call them affairs, if it's grown up and it's not ungodly and sinful. Uh, If you're in an affair with a married man or a married woman or you're married and you're whatever, uh, I'm telling you today, um, (laughs) there's something in it for you. That's why you're continuing on. You know you shouldn't be doing it, but you continue on because there's a payoff for you. The people of Finland, do you know why they were so agreeable to digging a hundred-story pit in an island off the coast? with toxic waste that'll be present for 100,000 years because they're paid off. The company came in and said, hey, uh, who wants some toxic waste nearby? And nobody responded. He said, no, thank you. We don't want that junk near us. And then the company said, well, how about if we build you a bunch of new schools for your kids? And how about if we bring infrastructure? We're going to build new roads and bridges, state-of-the-art, and, and how about if we infuse cash into the local economy? And all of a sudden, the locals were agreeable. See, they didn't want toxicity until there was something in it for them. And we tend to be the same way. Oh, no, I'm going to avoid those relationships. I'm, I'm not going to have any part of that. I don't want that. And then when we realize there's a payoff for me, all of a sudden, we're all ears. I just want to encourage you in this. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to encourage you. When it's all about us, it doesn't matter what relationship it is, it's unhealthy. James 3.16 says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So what that means is if I enter into a relationship with someone and it is all about what can I milk out of them, what can I get out of them, how can I use them to get what I want, that relationship is by definition dysfunctional and unhealthy. Period. So if it's all about me and what I can get and what I want, how I can manipulate the situation, how there's a payoff for me, it will be toxic. And that is a slow killer of your soul. Um, Last point, number five, toxic relationships are rarely redeemed. You might be in a place where you go, but I'm going to save them. It's going to be good. It's different with me. It's not different with you. Toxic relationships, typically in one way, crashing and burning and heartache. Period. It doesn't matter if it's a romantic relationship. It doesn't matter if it's just a friendship. If it's toxic, it's going to end badly. Period. Take it to the bank. 
I was talking to a retired pastor in our church after the last service, and he brought that up, and he said, I can't tell you how many times I've told people, don't get married, you don't need to be in this relationship. And I said, how did that end? And he said, divorce. And he said, people would get married anyway, and they'd be divorced after two months sometimes. You think it'll be different with me? It's not going to be different with you. It's not. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just telling you. Toxic relationships are rarely redeemed. Um, Judges 14.4. I didn't read this verse earlier. This is immediately following uh, Samson saying, go get her for me. She is right in my eyes. This is what happens. It says, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Now, what this is saying is, um, it wasn't that God said, you know what, I think... I think I'm going to put Samson in a relationship that's going to be terrible for him, personally. Because God doesn't do that. Now, the only exception I've found in Scripture is where um, um, we see um, God instruct Hosea, the prophet, to marry Gomer, the prostitute, as an illustration for God's redeeming, unending, pursuing love for his church and for his people. That's the only time I see. So if you're here today and you're a, a single person, and you are dating um, a lost person, I'm telling you today, that is not God's best for your life. You need to shut it down. Um, because what we see here is God wasn't saying, hey, I'm going to ordain this for you guys to be together. What he was saying is, oh my gosh, if you're going to be stupid, at least maybe I can get the glory out of it some way. Because that's what happened. He said, if you're going to marry this woman, if you're going to do something stupid, I'm still going to get glory out of this. Even though it's going to be really bad for you, I'm going to be glorified. So toxic relationships are rarely redeemed. This is what we need to do. I, I mentioned this last week. Let me just walk through this with you. With our toxic thoughts, I, I told you, we identify toxic thoughts. We identify what they are. Then we reject those toxic thoughts. Then we replace those toxic thoughts with the word of God. And I would say the same thing is true in toxic relationships. We identify a toxic relationship and we say, hey, uh, is this relationship good for me or is it bad for me? Let me read a couple of questions to you that you can use to identify toxic relationships. Is this relationship drawing me closer to God? Is it building me up in my faith? Is it helping me have a revelation of God a little better? Is this relationship helping, helping me get to where God wants me to be? Is this toxic is relationship taking me off course or helping me get to the destination God wants me to be in? And the last question is, what do, uh, what do spiritually mature people in my life think about this relationship? Those are the questions I would ask. That's how you can identify a toxic relationship. And once you identify a toxic relationship, you reject a toxic relationship. And this is hard because this is where we go, um, I've got to create some space. Now, this is what you don't do. You don't call the person and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know I heard a message this morning from my pastor, and he said we can't be friends anymore. Click. <laughs> don't do that, because uh, I'll get all kinds of hate mail on Facebook and on social media and emails. I don't want that, okay? So this is what you do. You create space. If you got a warning uh, from from. Um, you know, the EPA came through and they said, hey, we've been doing some ground soil tests and we found out the soil in your backyard is contaminated. Uh, it's deadly. You wouldn't go, well, you know what? We'll move out in a few weeks. We'll figure this thing out. No, you would gather up your kids. You'd get what you need and you'd go to a hotel. You would create distance from the toxicity so that you could maximize health in you and your family. And that's what we do. We create space from the toxicity so that we can maximize health in our own lives and the lives of the people around us. 
So what does that look like? It looks a little different for everybody. Maybe you're in a workplace with someone who's toxic and you eat lunch together every day. Well, you need to stop eating lunch together every day. You need to create a little space. Maybe you're in a, a dating relationship with someone that you know is not healthy, it's not godly, it's not right. Um, well, you need to create some space. Maybe that means you, you let them know, hey, I feel like God's taking me a different direction. If you need some help, I'm here for you. <laughs> I'll hook you up. But you create space in that. And the last thing you do is you replace that relationship. Scripture makes it clear if there's a void in our lives, if we get the old out or Christ gets the old out and we leave a void and it's not filled, that the enemy will rush in and fill the void. And so what we have to do is replace toxic relationships with healthy, godly relationships. I got good news for you. We've got small groups starting here at Summit Church, another semester starting in just a couple weeks. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. These are godly people who love the Lord. This is a family that can work with you, that can help you take the next step, that can fill the empty that's left behind when you get rid of the toxic. These are just practical steps for you. But this is the biggest thing. At the end of the day, the most important thing you can do is make sure your number one relationship is right. Because if your relationship with God is healthy, every other relationship in your life will begin to fall into place a little easier. And that's the challenge today. God wants us to have healthy relationships. It's one of our core values at Summit Church is healthy relationships. How does that happen? It happens by beginning with our relationship with Christ and making sure that relationship is healthy. And if that relationship is healthy, the rest of them begin to work better and fall into place. So I just want to encourage you in that today. Uh, if you're here and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity. We're not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. We just want to pray with you where you're at. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. If you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? I need, I need to fix my relationship with Christ before I fix any other relationship. I recognize today that some of my relationships are toxic, and some of that is because my relationship with Christ is not what it needs to be. If you're here today and you acknowledge that and you say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. I just want to pray with you where you're at. So if that's you, would you be bold enough to raise your hand real high where I can see it? And you can put it right back down. Is there anybody? Yeah, over here on my left. Down here in the center section, a couple hands. Over here on my right, a couple of hands. Praise God. Yeah, I see you over there. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Yeah, a couple more hands on my left over here. I see you. You can put your hand down. Praise God. Who else? Just a few more seconds. Anyone else? Say, Mel, I want to join these. Uh, I want to make sure my relationship with Jesus is right so that I can get the rest of my relationships right. All right. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to say this prayer with me out loud. Repeat this with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me by paying for my sins with your death on the cross. Today, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And I'm asking you to help me have a healthy relationship with you and with those around me. Help me to reject toxic relationships so that I can grow in you and I can know you more. Use me for your glory and help me never go back to my old ways or my old life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause today.
Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. God's got an incredible journey in store for you. Just like I said, Samson had a calling and a purpose for his life. I truly believe every person in this room has a purpose and calling on their life. And God wants to help you get to where you want to be. Um, we want to help you do that as well. One of the ways we can help is by you simply filling this card out for us. There's one in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says, need prayer. But I would love for you to fill out the side that says salvation. You can fill this card out for us. Let us know who you are so that we can connect with you. We can get you into healthy relationships and we can help you take the right steps to begin to grow in your faith. You can fill this out and put it in one of our offering boxes before you leave today. And we will contact you, get in touch with you in the next couple days to help you grow in your faith and take that next step. If you can't reach one of these cards or maybe you're watching online and you want to respond, you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to respond back to you and do the same thing, help you get in relationship, help resource you for the journey. Here's what's going to happen right now. This team is going to lead us in another song of worship. We're going to worship together. Uh, and our prayer team is going to be available on either side of the stage. So if you need prayer for any reason, no matter what you've brought in this place today, our prayer team is ready to respond and pray with you about your needs. And then in just a moment, when we finish singing, I'm going to come back up and close us out. So if you would, stand to your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time before we go. And then we'll be finished in just a moment. Again, thank you for being here. God bless.